Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 18th of December, 2020. This is episode 342 of Bitcoin and it's late. Very late. Uh, sorry about uh, skipping out on y'all this morning. I did not set my alarm clock. Apparently, it happens. It happens. But let's let's start up this one with a uh, a rousing applause from Guggenheim Scott Minard, who's the CIO of Guggenheim Investments. That would be the chief investment officer. Let's uh, let's hear what he has to say. Uh, of course, uh, we made the decision to start allocating toward Bitcoin. Uh, when Bitcoin was at 10,000, um, it's it's a little more challenging uh, with the current price closer to 20,000. Uh, amazing, you know, over a very short period of time, how big of a run up we've had. Um, but having said that, uh, our our fundamental work shows that Bitcoin uh, should be worth about four hundred thousand dollars. So, um, you know, we're going to, even if we had uh, the ability to do so today, we're going to monitor the market and uh, uh, see how trading goes uh, on valuation, but ultimately look to buy it. Scott Miner, we want to delay the Fed press conference for this comment by you. How do you frame a 400,000 Bitcoin? How do you get from where we are now out to 400,000? Is it just based on scarcity? Uh, yeah, right, Tom. It's uh, based on the scarcity and relative valuations, such as things like gold, uh, as a percentage of uh, GDP. So, you know, there, Bitcoin is actually uh, has a lot of the attributes of gold, um, and at the same time has an unusual yeah. uh, value in terms of transactions. Right. Mike McKee emails me, why are we talking about BitDog while we've got a Fed press conference going on? McKee, jump jump in here and save this Fed You, you know we're going to get emails, Tom, <laughs> from people about Bitcoin. Ah, and you could hear the visible shock, the shock and awe, man. Uh, they weren't expecting that one, considering that this was <clears throat> supposed to be about uh, live coverage of uh, the Fed meeting. Uh, <laughs> and the moderated moderator, David Rosenberg, Oh, God, I, it was either right before, like the day before, or the day after, or later on in the day, came back to say that, you know, Bitcoin is the biggest bubble ever. And he just, he hates it. He doesn't understand why anybody's doing anything. And yet here he is talking to the C, chief investment officer of one of the largest funds on the face of the planet, who's like targeting $400,000 a coin. Just, I'm just saying when... You know, whenever the delusion of tulips uh, finally fades, if it ever does fade, these guys are going to be left holding a an empty bag, and it's going to be it's going to be sad. It really is going to be sad. However, we have news out of Kraken. Uh, need for Speed Kraken to launch Bitcoin Lightning integration in 2021. 
This is from Kraken's own blog. It's short. It says, Kraken is excited to announce new investments and forthcoming features designed to bring the benefits of Bitcoin's Lightning Network to our global exchange, building on Bitcoin's blockchain technology. I hate that. The Lightning Network will help the world's largest cryptocurrency scale to process millions of transactions per second. A leap forward enabling trades to be completed at lower cost and with greater speed. In 2021, we are committed to hiring a team to focus specifically on the Lightning Network as part of our continuing effort to deliver the best possible experience for traders and investors. We expect to allow clients to withdraw and deposit Bitcoin on Lightning in the first half of 2021, which will allow clients to move their Bitcoin instantly and with the lowest fees. But easier deposits and withdrawals are just the beginning of the additional features we are aiming to provide. Provide. By joining Kraken's Lightning Network team, you can shape the future of programmable payments with digital money. If you have an eye for front-end or UX design, or if you have experience with open-source Lightning Protocol development, we are interested in your application. It means that they got jobs, bro. They're opening up some positions. So if you know any, if you know Dick about uh, Lightning Network you may want to consider dropping your uh, your hat in that ring. Again, this is from Kraken. They're going to be opening uh, positions up for Lightning. Uh, it, it's, it, it should be interesting to see. I'm not a fan of exchanges because I always view them as casinos, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's not like Kraken's just going to go away. I mean, they're they're a chartered bank in Wyoming, for God's sakes. What, what are you going to do? Now, Pierre Rochard's getting getting some flack for trying to do legislative shit. All right, let's let's read this one from uh, Pierre Rochard, uh, Rochard's uh, own GitHub. On November the 3rd, 2020, the IRS seized 70,000 Bitcoin worth over $1 billion. The United States Attorney's Office in the Northern District of California has filed a civil complaint for forfeiture, and I expect the United States to prevail in court. Past seizures of Bitcoin were auctioned off by the United States Marshal Service. In 2014 and 15, the United States seized and sold more than 144,000 Bitcoin, which is rather, which then was worth 122 million, but now worth closer to 3 billion. The expeditious auctioning off of seized Bitcoin was, in my view, with the benefit of hindsight, a mistake. The Federal Reserve can create an infinite quantity of U.S. dollars, the proceeds received in the auction. Bitcoin cannot be created out of thin air, and there is a limited quantity of them. I humbly ask our legislatures, legislators to pass one of the two versions of the bill in this directory. These amendments would, by operation of law, halt the auctioning off of any Bitcoin seized by the United States until further legislation is passed. The United States Marshal Service is to hold any Bitcoin it receives, giving Congress time to deliberate on the disposition of this unique asset. A large strategic reserve of Bitcoin may be crucial for our national security. Two drafts are in this directory. One amends the already existing Section 566. The other creates Section 570. The language is mostly the same in both cases. The format is just a little different. And like I said, Pierre's getting some some pushback on even having to deal with or or trying to deal on their playing field. And honestly, I respect both positions. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. If if we're only pushing from one position, then I don't think we have as much leverage. Honestly, 
I think it's going to take everybody working from all positions and people that are not sickened to their stomach by having to deal with these fucking people. I, I actually do have some respect for because they're, they're getting into something that they know they don't want to be in. I know Pierre Rochard does not want to have to do this. He does not want to have to deal with these people. And yet here he is dealing with these fucking people. And I have nothing but contempt for the legislature of governments around the world. Nothing but contempt. I, I, I mean, I, I used to be rah-rah United States, and I still am, but I'm not rah-rah federal government. And that goes for the government of Brazil, the government of Turkey, the government of Greece, the EU, government of Russia. I, if you're in the government, it just get out. Go do something better with your life. That would be my position, except that we find ourselves here. And we find ourselves in a situation where it's going to take all of us from every single direction pushing somehow or another, pushing this thing to where it really needs to be. And that's going to take people like Pierre bitching at legislators. It's going to take people like me bitching at legislators. It's going to take people like you who continuously use and parade and defend and project Bitcoin and the Lightning Network and uh, for a little, you know, for a little bit more, the liquid network, just because it's, you know, at least it's trying to do the right thing. You know, we can have our, our we can have our situations or we can have our uh, um, agreements and disagreements about whether or not the light, uh, the liquid network is a pure shit coinery casino or not. But be that as it may, at least it's trying to push in the direction of Bitcoin and not putting it pushing in the direction of Ethereum. So we, we've got that. Uh, Standard Chartered and Northern Trust uh, are apparently partnering up to launch Zodia, which is a cryptocurrency custodian for institutional investors. This is from Northern Trust's website, and it says, SC Ventures, the innovation and ventures unit of Standard Chartered the Nor and Northern Trust, a leading provider of asset servicing, have entered into an agreement to launch Zodia Custody, an institutional-grade custody solution for cryptocurrencies. Uh, crypto, uh, cryptocurrencies represent 0.3% of the world's currency and bank deposits and are forecast to continue growing with a CAGR of 32% from 2019 to 2024. While there is increasing interest from institutional investors, they account for only 9% of investments in cryptocurrencies at presence. present. Zodia is designed to enable institutions to invest in the emerging cryptocurrency assets that are transforming how financial markets operate including transactions and settlement activities under the agreement, which is subject to registration with the UK Financial Conduct Authority or the FCA. All applicable regulatory filings and customary closing conditions, Zodia is expected to begin operations in London in 2021. All right, so who are these guys? Well, let's look at what Standard Charter is. Their, their statement is, we are a leading international banking group with a presence in 60 of the world's most dynamic markets and serving clients in a further 85. Our purpose is to drive commerce and prosperity through our unique diversity and our heritage and values as expressed in our brand promise. We are here for good. Standard Chartered PLC is listed in the London and Hong Kong stock exchanges. 
For more stories and expert opinions, please visit insights at sc.com. So if you want to read more about S, uh, Standard Charter by itself, go to their website is sc.com. Now, Northern Trust is the, is the money into this. Northern Trust Corporation, leading provider of wealth management, asset servicing, asset management, and banking to corporations, institution, affluent, affluent, affluent families, and individuals. That'd be high net worth individuals right there. Founded in Chicago in 1889. Let me read that again. Chicago Company, 1889. Northern Trust has a global presence with offices in 22 United States states and Washington, D.C., and across 22 locations in Canada, Europe, the Middle East, and the Asia-Pacific region. As of September 30th, 2020, Northern Trust had assets under management of $13.1 trillion. And assets under management, oh, I'm sorry, had assets under custody and administration of $13.1 trillion and assets under management of $1.3 trillion. For more than 130 years, Northern Trust has earned the distinctions as the industry leader for exceptional service, financial expertise, integrity, and innovation. And uh, they give their website, but it says it's as a link. So you're talking about 14 point, almost like 14 and a half trillion dollars in total managed stuff. And here we go. They're opening up, and this is going to be for uh, this is going to be for more than just Bitcoin. Obviously, we're going to have to deal with the fact that they're going to be getting into looks like Ethereum, Litecoin, and something else, and I can't remember what it is. But the, we keep saying that the institutions are coming. R- retail will, you know, will come along for the ride. Either <laughs> they will either come along for the ride of their own volition, or they will get dragged down into this because they are connected somehow through their assets under management with these people. And it's just going to happen. Just be prepared. Bitcoin adoption in Nigeria soars as central bank holders, uh, banks block remittances in Naira. Naira? N-A-I-R-A. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry. Uh, Osato Alvan Namayo is writing this for Cointelegraph sometime early this morning. The Central Bank of Nigeria's Nair defense uh, policy is pushing more Nigerians toward Bitcoin and crypto adoption. Peer-to-peer Bitcoin volume in Nigeria continues to rise as Africa's largest economy remains a bastion for crypto adoption. According to Quartz Africa, data from the Bitcoin P2P marketplace Paxful show the country ranks second only to the United States in trading volume. Man, dude, wow. Since 2015, Nigerians have traded over 60,200 BTC on the Paxful exchange platform, uh, amounting to about $566 million in volume over the period. Data from Coindance shows trading activity for the week ending December 12th at 886.3 million Naira, about $2.3 million. Bitcoin's growing appeal among Nigerians is likely due to a confluence of factors, chief of which are stringent forex policies by the Central Bank of Nigeria, as well as the rapid decline of the country's fiat currency, the Naira. In a communique issued on December the 16th, the, Na- the Central Bank directed International Mon- uh, Monetary Transfer Operators, or IMTOs, to cease processing diaspora remittance payments in Naira, According to the central bank, the move is in line with the new policy of allowing Nigerians to receive international payments in their domicile, domicile, 
domiciliary accounts, sorry. The central bank also issued a notice declaring that two IMTOs, TransferWise and Asimo, were not authorized to operate in the country. While the central bank may be reversing some of its more stringent Forex micromanagement policies, the scarcity caused by these previous banking laws seems to have pushed more Nigerians into alternative currencies. Indeed, Bitcoin adoption tends to soar in countries facing rising inflation and declining confidence in the national fiat currency. With a median age of, get this, 18 years, Bitcoin likely offers an alternative for the tech-savvy younger population against the mainstream banking and uh, finance architecture under the control of the government. During the October protest against police brutality as the government ordered banks to freeze the accounts of the movement's backers, protesters switched seamlessly to BTC and crypto donations. According to data from Google Trends, Nigeria is still number one in terms of global search interest for Bitcoin. However, regulatory clarity for the crypto and blockchain space is yet to materialize in the country. Back in September, the Nigerian Securities and Exchange Commission announced plans to regulate, or sorry, to create a regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies in the country. At the time, the commission declared that it would regulate crypto assets as securities unless proven otherwise. Nigeria, or rather the African continent, and all of Latin American, uh, Latin America are my two favorite places to watch for Bitcoin adoption. Uh, not the Philippines, not China, not Europe, not the United States, Canada, any of that shit. Australia, New Zealand, I don't give a shit. I, I don't care. Africa, Latin America, and then at one point or another, I'm going to be looking around India and the Middle East uh, later on. But I mean, the Western countries and like Australia, New Zealand, you know, Europe, United States and all that shit. Be, those, those will be the last, I believe those will be the last dominoes to fall. And the first ones to fall are going to be in Africa and probably Latin America simultaneously. I'm just saying, uh, Oh, upcoming crypto wallet restrictions. And how will it affect you? It won't. Well, okay. Yeah, it probably will. It'll just change the landscape a little bit, though. Uh, Scott Cipollina is going to tell us about this from Decrypt.co. And we're talking about the, this U.S. Treasury bullshit. Uh, and I, I, I wish they'd stop using the term self-hosted wallet. They're doing that on purpose, by the way. They know full well what private keys are and how we refer to it. Yet they're use, trying to use their own language. And this is this is a... This is one of the points of argumentation theory that you need to understand. If you want to do everything you can to gain the upper hand in an argument, you start by redefining the terms that you're going to be talking about in your own terms, and you never, ever, ever stop. And that puts the opponent on the defensive because we, who are on the defensive on this side, are like, there's no such, the fact that you're, what we're saying is your use of the term self-hosted wallet has no place whatsoever in this discussion, okay? They're doing this shit on purpose, right? It's not because they're stupid. It's not because they're ill-informed. They know full well what private keys are, and they know full well what, what cold storage is, and they know full well what my own wallet means, None of us have ever used, until they started talking this way, we've never used the term self-hosted wallet. Be very careful. And when anybody says self-hosted wallet to you, 
You say, that is an incorrect term. I have no idea what you're talking about. If you would like to talk about cold storage or private keys, we can do that, but stop using self-hosted wallet. Don't do it and don't allow anybody else to do it either. The U.S. Treasury is about to impose new restrictions on money service businesses that interact with self-hosted crypto wallets, as pointed out by Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong and reported by The Block. It's anticipated that the new rule will request MBSs to file currency transaction reports when a client conducts a crypto-related transaction above a, quote, yet-to-be-confirmed threshold, end quote. The rule might be similar to current reporting transactions well-established in the traditional finance world, so it hasn't come as a total shock. Quote, that crypto businesses may have to report sizable movements of crypto to the United States Treasury would be a big development in the crypto industry. However, it doesn't come as a particular surprise. Places like Singapore and Switzerland have already been anticipating such a rule. Lucas Huang, head, head of growth at Decentralized Exchange Token Lawn, I've never heard that, told Decrypt. <laughs> God, Token Lawn. Nope, never heard of it. Uh, reporting requirements are commonplace in traditional finance, but the cryptocurrency industry has often been reluctant to accept similar restrictions on transactions. Quote, it may add to the much-discussed legitimacy and confidence in the crypto space, which is a good thing. No, it's not. However, the ideology behind using and trading crypto is so much about having ownership of your wealth independent of third-party influences, Huang added. These anticipated regulations mean changes are coming for self-owners of, or rather, for owners of self-hosted crypto wallets as well as the relevant money service businesses themselves. The exact restrictions are not yet known, but it is anticipated that MBSs will be required to provide identification information about their clients. Specifically, this would be likely to mean that the relevant companies would need to report identifying information of crypto, or rather, wallet holders such as their name, either before a transaction transaction was permitted or as part of a transaction taking place. This is censorship. That's all this is. Again, while the exact regulations are not yet known, it is expected that these requirements will only be activated when a minimum threshold is activated by any particular transaction. In existing American legislation, reporting requirements are typically activated when a transaction exceeds $10,000. The exact consequences for individuals and companies will become clear if and when the regulations come into force, but U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Munchenbutz, the mind behind the proposed regulations, has been subject to criticism in recent weeks. He doesn't give a shit, dude. He holds up big old you know, panels of, of freshly minted paper bills with his trophy wife mocking your ass. He doesn't give a shit about the criticism. He does not care. He's going to run, he's going to roll back in his rolls to his, to his mansion with his trophy wife. And I don't know what they do when they're there. Maybe do massive lines of Coke off of each other. Who who gives a shit? I'm just saying he doesn't care about the criticisms. He doesn't care about you. He just cares about himself and the fact of his, and his position of power. That that's all he cares about. So owners of crypto wallets can expect to provide identifying information about themselves as a result of these anticipations. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to do that. I'm, Steve, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to voluntarily tell you anything about my, my Bitcoin wallets. And you can come in and say, oh, well, we heard you on the podcast. Clearly you have Bitcoin. Prove it. Prove it. You, the only thing you can prove is that at one point or another, I was in possession of some Bitcoin, maybe on an exchange. 
that's it. You can't prove that I still have it. You can't prove that it wasn't stolen from me. You can't prove that I stole it from myself. You can't prove that I put it into a different wallet. You can't prove that I put it into a coin mixer. You can't prove anything. And for any of you that are out there laughing, saying, oh yeah, they can. No, no, they can't. Because at the end of the day, all they can track is a transaction, but they can't track if I am in possession of the keys. They cannot prove that because I cannot prove a negative. I cannot prove to them that I don't have the keys. I could, if I so chose, prove to them that I had the keys. But that just means, no, I'm not. And for any, anybody who wants to go further and say, says, well, they'll torture you, well, then we've got bigger fucking problems, don't we? Don't we? Do you really want to live like that? Do you really want to defend the actions of a government that would torture their own citizenry because they want to know where the money is? If you don't understand that we live in a gulag, then we're never going to be able to get out. The best prison ever built was the prison that doesn't look like one. One of these days, we're all going to figure that shit out. I hope we do it all at once. Because if you got 7.8 billion people clamoring for freedom at the exact same time, there is not a military or government on the face of the planet that can do a fuck all about it. Understand? Okay, let's continue this one. Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, said that those wallet holders who live in poverty might encounter difficulty with the proposed U.S. Treasury regulations. Quote, some of these individuals are living in poverty and may not have any permanent address or form of government ID, Armstrong said in November. What's more, wallet holders might anticipate a reaction from the markets if and when these regulations come into force. Quote, what has largely been discarded is the notion that Mnuchin and the FATF's new self-custodial wallet regulations will have a meaningful impact on price. Joshua Lim, head of derivatives at Genesis Global Trading, told The Block. It is not just that individuals will be affected by these restrictions, however. Companies can expect some changes, too. Several United States congressmen have publicly opposed, opposed Mnuchin in his quest to impose new regulations on crypto wallets. In a letter sent to Mnuchin on December the 9th, Congressman Warren Davidson urged the secretary to rethink these regulations and consult with Congress on fintech. In the letter itself, Davidson criticized the anticipated regulations as damaging to American competitiveness on the global stage. If such a proposal requires a company to determine the owner of a self-hosted wallet with which the company's users wish to transact, then Americans' utilization of digital asset transactions would be placed at a significant disadvantage to our global competitors, Davidson and his colleagues wrote. In addition, the group said that the proposal... Uh, proposed regulations risk the United States' ability to stop bad actors from exploiting the system. The contemplated regulation would not meaningfully, meaningfully support law enforcement while it would raise privacy concerns and place impractical regulatory burdens on digital asset users and the companies, the congressman added. It is not just members of Congress that have criticized the U.S. Treasury's anticipated regulations. Big names in the crypto industry have done so as well, Brian Armstrong among them. Um, so anyway, what, what to say about this? It's probably coming. I would, I, I would go ahead and operate under the assumption that this shit is coming, which means that there's some things you can do. Learn Tor, uh, get, 
get some, you know, buy some cold cards. You know, they're like, I don't know, 89 bucks a, a pop. They're, they're not that bad. Uh, get some open dimes. Uh, figure out how to use uh, the Lightning Network all the way to uh, setting up your own node. Go get my node or Umbral or some other thing. Set it up on a Raspberry Pi. Start running your own node because you're going to need it to run your own uh, Lightning Network node. Um, figure out how to work, I don't know, like all the open source stuff. Learn Spectre. Uh, I've been using the Spectre wallet for a while. That thing, dude, it's slick. You can label your, your UTXOs, and it's, that is just a wonderful thing. So all my UTXOs are labeled stuff like Steve Mnuchin's ass, uh, Brian Armstrong is a naked mole rat, uh, things like that. <laughs> but no, the, the best way to do all this shit is to, to learn about everything that will circumvent and subvert any United States regulation. Also, keep up on all the new technology that's coming out because the, the other side of the coin is this. When you, when you poke something with a stick, especially something like the community that is Bitcoin, expect people to get pissed off and react like Nicholas Dorier did to BitGo. Was it BitGo or BitPay? I can't remember. One of them is good. The other is bad. He reacted with something like, this is lies. I will, you know, I will obsolete your ass. And he did with BTC pay server, which is the other thing that you need to learn about so that you can self-host basically your own cash register. Fuck all these people. I mean, if we're not willing to go to jail, then, um, because we're already there, we're already in jail. You just, we just don't seem to recognize that. I think as long as the jail cell is very large, you don't care. You know, we have freedom. I can get in my car and I can run to another city without a problem. But if all that is, is held within the walls of a giant prison, then I'm still in prison. We've been in prison for a long time, guys. It's about time to break out the tools and start breaking holes through the walls. Um, and if we're not, if we're not prepared to do it, if we're not prepared to do the things that our forefathers did, like in the United States, the, uh, American revolution, the second, every single signature that was on the Declaration of Independence, they were signing their name to a death warrant, and they knew it. It wasn't possible that they might get in trouble if this went south. It was a well-known fact. If you went against the king of England, and he won, they were going to find you, and they were going to kill you. So every single name, when they were putting their name, when they picked up the quill and they were going, they were looking at that paper and they set that quill down, every single one of those men were thinking, Jesus, if I put my name on this piece of paper, I could very well die. And they signed it anyway. We got to think about the greater good at this point. We really have to think about the greater good at this point. All right, so uh, let's see what's going on else in in other news here. December 17th, Coinbase with Bitcoin soaring, files in preparation for a landmark public offering. This is out of Coindesk. Danny Nelson's writing it. Um, Coinbase is getting ready to go public on Thursday. The major cryptocurrency exchange filed preliminary documents with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, it has been subject of IPO speculation for months, but the timing coming just one day after Bitcoin broke $20,000 for the first time ever cannot be ignored. The major exchange is positioning itself as Wall Street's most accessible bet uh, yet on cryptocurrency. 
In October 2018, Coinbase was valued at $8 billion. Given the stratospheric increase of the price of Bitcoin since then and the recent demand for IPOs, it's expected Coinbase's current valuation will be significantly higher. Quote, the Form S-1 is, is expected to become effective after the SEC completes its review process subject to market and other conditions, the firm wrote in a sparse blog post. Uh, what I've heard is that, let's see if I can find it in here. I'm not finding it, but it looks like somebody's done some preliminary numbers and is expecting this thing to be valued at $28 billion at the time of the IPO when it comes out. And it's probably going to come out. Uh, Brian Armstrong is, you know, not my favorite person in the world. Every once in a while he does shit right, but most of the time he, he does not. Uh, but you can't ignore the fact that Coinbase is one of the largest, uh, companies in this space. They are going to go public. They, he's going to end up being, if he's not already a billionaire, Brian Armstrong is going to be a billionaire after this because it is going to happen. Now, who is not going to be a billionaire is anybody that decided that they wanted to go into DeFi and go with warp speed. Warp Finance reportedly loses $8 million in a flash loan attack. Who would have guessed? What could possibly have gone wrong here? Cointelegraph and Martin Young. Maybe we will figure it out here. Um, DeFi lending protocol Warp Finance has reportedly suffered a flash loan attack, resulting in the loss in as much as $8 million of digital assets. Reports are coming in that an attacker has made off with between $1 million to as much as $8 million, according to DeFi Prime. The losses follow a series of flash loans that have exploited vulnerabilities in the Warp Finance protocol. Warp Finance is a brand new DeFi platform announced in early November, and already dead, <laughs> that enables users to deposit liquidity provider tokens from other protocols and receive stablecoin loans in exchange. The Warp Finance Twitter feed... It didn't provide any details at the time of writing aside from this, quote, we are investigating irregular stablecoin loans taken out in the last hour. We, we recommend that you do not deposit any more stablecoin until we have clarity on the irregularities, end quote. One user responded to the notice claiming to have lost 40,000 die, quote, please help me. This is the first time that I use DeFi. I have invested 40,000 die in total. This money is all my savings and I cannot live without it. End quote. Well, buddy, it's not like you weren't warned. On several occasions from several different people, you were probably one of the people that pointed at us and laughed and told us that we were just toxic maximalists. Fuck you. This is what you get. DeFi analysis portal DeFi Prime has highlighted the suspicious transactions in question, and then they give a, a tweet where they've got it in there. White Hat hackers are investigating the spurious transactions that led to the incursion. Co-founder of the Marquette Exchange, Emilio Bonazzi, has been delving into what has been happening, stating, quote, this is the second attack which uses multiple flash liquidity, flash swaps via Uniswap, and flash loans via DYDX, end quote. He added that the attacker asked for three wrapped Ether loans via flash swaps to three different pools on Uniswap and two more on the DYDX trading platform. The funds were then used to mint wrapped ETH over DAI liquidity pool tokens, which were used as collateral on warp finance in order to clear out the USDC and DAI vaults. God, see, the more, you, more pipes you put into the plumbing, the easier it is to stop up the drain.
And I mean, just getting through that one paragraph was so filled with freaking jargon. There's no way poor, poor plebs are going to be able to understand the ins and outs of all this shit. No wonder the guy lost his life savings. I hate to say it, but dude, if you're just going to continue to be stupid, then you deserve it. You were warned. You were warned. Don't tell me that, that they didn't hear us. Because, I mean, all, all, all anybody outside of this group talks about is how toxic we are. They know. They, they know we've been, we've been pointing at this saying, dude, this is a scam. This is huge. It, it, it's all over the place. You're going to get baked. And here we go. Life savings down the drain. Um, what else to say about this? Don't, don't get into I'm serious, man. Investment advice. Don't DeFi. I, this this Uniswap and Sushi and Warp and like all the rest of the crap that I've read to you about, this is the most this is one of the most dangerous things that I've ever seen in crypto since uh, ICOs, right? I mean, ICOs were one thing. This thing is, I mean, you you had to be in a certain place at a certain time to be able to get a hold of of you know and and engage into the whole shit coinery thing. This thing puts basically an ICO in everybody on everybody's mobile phone. You got, dude. Is I don't know, man. I don't know why they won't listen to us. We're right. We've been right. We will continue to be right, and yet we will be looked at, laughed at, pointed at, and called toxic maximalists. I don't know what's toxic about telling you how to not lose your life savings. Why is that toxic? Can somebody please explain it to me? Why, why am I being toxic when I'm warning people against this shit and then they do it anyway and lose 40,000 die, which apparently is their life savings? And that shit's gone. Dead dude's never getting that money back. God, I, it, makes me, it makes me sad. Darabit has uh, new options that will allow Bitcoin traders to bet on rally to 100K. I don't like this shit either even though they're talking about Bitcoin. But let's see, uh, Omkar Godbull has this one out of Coindesk. We won't read much of it, but let's see here. Call and put options at the $100,000 strike price expiring on September the 24th, 2021, went live on Darabit Thursday. Quote, a few trades have taken place. As thus far, 45 call option contracts have been traded, uh, said their chief commercial officer uh, over there at, at Darabit. So yeah, you can now like bet on the price of Bitcoin as a derivative. Uh, the derivatives are going to continue to flow. The spice must flow. Uh, unless you know exactly what you're doing, I'd stay as far away from them as humanly possible. Even if you do know what you're doing, I would stay away from them as, as, as far away from them as humanly possible. This is just yet more, all this shit is, is degeneracy. You could probably get the same returns by going and playing blackjack in Vegas and you're going to get your ass handed to you. All this shit. It's all bullshit. If it's a derivative of Bitcoin, you don't need it. All right. If you want to play the game, I guess, you know, by all means, go ahead and play the game. But dude, when you lose your life savings, don't come bitching and moaning to us. Let's run the numbers. Since I am late today, I will not be reading you the uh, futures of uh, commodities and, and indices because they're they're all live right now. So what's going on? Well, the S&P is down 
a quarter of a point. NASDAQ is down barely measurable. Dow Jones down 0.18. FTSE's up 0.12. I mean, it's like, it's a complete meh. Even in Asia, the the highest move that I'm seeing is the Hang Seng uh, at 0.67 uh, on the, uh, to the downside. Uh, all, well, unless you, unless you include the VIX. The uh, the uh, volatility indexes go into let's see to the upside five point five two percent. So there's there's that. Uh, let's see, oil is up almost a half a buck. Uh, so that'd be like up, up almost a point. It's at forty eight point eight for West Texas Intermediate. Uh, natural gas is swinging three points to the upside. Two dollars and seventy cents will get you a thousand cubic feet of that. Gold uh, swung down scant. It's going to come in at 1,889.9 USD. Silver also down 0. 0.44, $26. Uh, is there anything else that's even remotely fun? Nah, that's, that's, that's all she wrote for fake money. Real money, we have uh, Bitcoin at $22,631. It looks like that's going to be my high. Is that? Yep, that's going to be my high. My low, it appears, is going to be over at GDAX, twenty-two thousand five hundred and twenty bucks. So, eh, I don't know, man. There, there's, I guess, some some room there. Um, all right, got got distracted there for a little bit. Um, we have three hundred fifty-one thousand transactions uh, performed in the last twenty-four hours. That's about fourteen thousand six hundred transactions on average every hour. Uh, 2.5 million BTC are in circulation during that last 24 hours. Uh, let's see, 107,000 BTC have been sent on average every hour. The average transaction value, 7.3 BTC. The median transaction value is, oh shit, 0.049 BTC. That's $1,111 on average. Block times are low, 9 minutes, 36 seconds. We have point, oh wow, no, not point, 1.3 BTC being taken to fees on a per block basis. And holy shit, 200 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Holy crap. That's, whoa, guys, that's, that's $25 million in fees in a day. 25 million. I wonder what, oh, what would be the percent? I can't do the math. Somebody do the math on the percentage of uh, the subsidy uh, that they got off of this, uh, for fees, just saying we have a, a rise in hash rate, 1.7%. That's 130 exahashes per second. Every, all the shit coins are up. Litecoin is over a hundred bucks, guys. Litecoin is $104. Don't take that as go out and buy the shit. Okay. Don't. Don't buy Ethereum, Litecoin, Bcash, BSV, Ethereum Classic. They're all up. Dogecoin, which I also don't recommend you buy, is 0.0038. 40,000 transactions puts it on top of Ethereum Classic and Bcash. Uh, notably, people I've, I've seen some chatter on the Bcash uh, people saying that how they're, oh, I know what it was. Kim.com has come out. And is now well. He's he's done it before, but he's got this huge thread about why Bcash is so awesome, and people are like going, "Dude, you're you're screwing up." And he's given the whole spiel about but transactions. Nobody's using it, Kim. Dude, I mean, Litecoin's got sixty three thousand transactions. BSV's got one point one four million transactions. Bcash has got twenty three. 
I mean, even its even its bastard redhead stepchild BSV is beating the snot out of, of Bitcoin Cash. And both both of them are are garbage. Just leave them alone, Clark. Get me out of this. Oh, good lord! Uh, Ninety one thousand transactions are awaiting to slip into fifty seven blocks to clear up all the mempools uh, that are in existence. The mempool or uh, mempools. Uh, increased over their default size, meaning that everything that is under two satoshis per byte uh, is not even being is is just not even being tracked. It's not it's not going to be transacted. Okay, the the mempools on my node and everybody else's node have exceeded their threshold. So one satoshi per byte, uh, I think, and that is at least from last night and yesterday to maybe even right now. It's not going to happen for you guys. You're going to have to really look at what, uh, how bad you need to make the transaction versus how much you want to pay for it, right? And there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to make transactions, you should know, you know, you should actually sit back and and think of it like a story that you're about to tell. And if it's a, is it a valid story? Is it a good story to tell? If not, don't tell it. Um, we have, let's see, good lord, okay. The price for Clark Moody is twenty two thousand five hundred and eighty five. Clark ran the numbers, came up with eighteen million five hundred and seventy four thousand three hundred and nineteen point one five BTC as the audited money supply. You can now buy eleven point nine ounces of gold with one Bitcoin. We have three point four three percent of gold's market cap, and the total market capitalization of Bitcoin crossed over four hundred million or four hundred billion, and is now in. Oh God, it's sitting at $419.4 billion as the market cap. Holy shit, that's going to do it for vitals. Part two of the morning roundup starts off with what could possibly go wrong? DeFi coming to social media, potential solutions to an antiquated field. Mm. George Jorviev is going to tell us about it from CryptoPotato.com. He's writing this one sometime yesterday. Uh, Social media platforms, despite being a tale of the modern society, remain largely antiquated. While we browse through the different profiles on our phones, we oftentimes forget that it's one single entity behind the curtains, one central organization that can pull the plug and control the entire thing. It is here where the promise of blockchain-based technology being inherently distributed, decentralized, sounds particularly appealing, and there are plenty of projects already working on putting the control back in the user's hands. DeFi is undoubtedly the hot topic of the summer of 2020. The nascent industry, uh, disregarded by many, exploded in the months following the COVID-induced market crash in March. The total value of locked-in DeFi is a a number I don't give a shit about, so that's not why I'm here for this story. Uh, There are plenty of protocols working on improving the ecosystem, providing new features altogether. Uh, Another thing to consider is that DeFi is a concept that can be implemented within various fields outside of finance. Social media is a prime example. Uh-huh. One such protocol is Vela, V-E-L-A. With its native token ticked VLX, just two days ago, the project announced the launch of the Ecosystem 3.0, which is aimed at delivering new features centered around BitOrbit, a decentralized social media platform. Uh, let's see. Now the protocol is launching the latest version of its ecosystem, 
Uh, 3.0 is out. The team brings new features to their obvious uh, to their obvious as the what? That's weird. To their obvious as the industry continues to boom. Okay, whatever. They will be oriented at a decentralized social media platform that has been been in development since 2019. All right, so. I'm get, not going to read the rest of it because the, the whole reason that I wanted to talk about this is how dangerous this is going to be. They're talking about it in terms of, oh, we're going to decentralize social media. And okay, if that's all that was going to happen, but that's not that all that that's not all that's going to happen. You're going to end up with the, like the stories about the dude that lost his life savings on warp. They're going to be pushing warp and bullshit in through social media, their own social media platforms to 12 year olds. This is going to suck in ways that, that people are, I I don't think we really are going to wrap our minds around just how big of a scam DeFi is going to be. It's huge. Now it makes Mr. Ponzi look like he was a beggar on the streets in New York city already. When this shit, like, cause I guarantee you, they're not doing th- this DeFi thing is not doing like trying to DeFi social media out of the goodness of its heart because people like Mark Zuckerberg suck. Uh, uh-uh. they think you suck and they're going to target you and your children and anybody that they can through social media. DeFi isn't going to lose its, its value as a place where you can lose all your money. They're going to push it through social media. Be on the defensive, hardcore about this shit, all right? Botnet found amplifying Tron founder Justin Sun's tweets. Scores of fake accounts were found engaging mostly with the crypto entrepreneur's giveaway tweets. So all those tweets that he did, they got like, you know, thousands and thousands of views. Yeah, somebody went through it all and really did some deep diving and discovered, and it's been discovered before, but this is, you know, Yet another person who's done it has done all the review and, and you know, used so, uh, social network graphing and all the little tools. Justin Sun is just fake. He's, I mean, he, the entire thing is fake. I would not be getting into Tron or anything that he's even remotely connected with. All the accounts that follow him are fake. Okay, just clearing that up for you. The United States Treasury, like Kraken, has some positions open if you want to go work for them. Please don't let them, you know, let that, what, let, I'll, I'll tell you about it. U.S. Treasury to hire crypto policy officers to combat industry crimes. Helen Parts for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. The United States Department of the Treasury is looking for expert advice on cryptocurrencies to tackle legal challenges associated with the industry. The U.S. Treasury's Bureau Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, has posted two job applications for crypto policy officers. The agency is seeking professional expertise on crimes related to digital assets. Posted on December the 12th, the two full-time and permanent positions target experts specializing in crypto-related finance threats and risk in order to, quote, assist in the development of policy responses to these challenges, end quote. FinCEN expects that new policy officers will provide insights on a wide array of areas like digital identity, regulatory, and financial technology. The authority said that GS-14 and GS-13 positions require at least one year of specialized experience at a related level of difficulty in accordance with grade levels in the federal service. 
FinCEN specified that salary for both positions ranged from $102,000 to $157,000 per year. That's the carrot, people. Remember, they can print that. They can just print that money. That's not real money at this point. FinCEN emphasized that it expects new experts to perform extremely complex and sensitive assignments related to crypto, including the, in, the issuance and advisories of other guidance to financial institutions. FinCEN's latest move apparently demonstrates that the authority is somewhat receptive to the industry's feedback on the rumored ban of the so-called, here we go again, quote, self-hosted crypto wallets by the United States Treasury, as reported in early December, the rumored blockade envisions rules to ban or severely restrict, quote, self-hosted cryptocurrency wallets. See, that my plea to Cointelegraph is do not, do not, don't use their terminology. Or at least if you're going to use it, immediately push back on it. Like this sentence could be written as, as reported in early December, the rumored blockade envisions rules to ban or severely restrict, quote, self-hosted and then it right behind that should be parentheses and you get the Twitter warning. That's what the, the Twitter warning about bad data. It's like, it should say something like, uh, after further review, we've determined that this is a really bad term and should not be used. Uh, private keys is actually what they're considering. So please uh, be forewarned. Don't use the term self-hosted wallet and then in the parentheses on that, on that sentence. Okay, so just saying. Don't allow yourself to use the term self-hosted. When somebody says, yeah, but you're self-hosted wallet, you go, uh, 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 are you talking about private keys? Because the minute you say that, then they don't know because you're probably talking to a fucking normie. And then it just, they go off confused and then you don't have to worry about it. Just, just saying. Megan the Stallion is giving out Bitcoin on Twitter. Oh yay, the latest. Will Gottengen is going to write this one for Decrypt.co and says, as part of a new partnership with Cash App, rapper Megan the that's T-H-E-E, Stallion, is giving out $1 million in Bitcoin to fans via Twitter. Uh, quote, the hot girl coach is officially on Team Cash App, she tweeted. To celebrate, I'm giving $1 million in Bitcoin to as many hotties as I can. We'll be giving out this million units until it's gone. So drop your Cash App name below with uh, hashtag Bitcoin Meg to get a piece. Okay. Hey, Bitcoin Meg. Cash App is a digital payment scale. We know who the hell it is. For the uninitiated, though, Megan the Stallion is one of the biggest rappers on the planet. I've never heard of her. I, I mean, you don't, I don't, I wasn't listening to rap when I knew who the hell Ice Cube was. I, I wasn't listening to rap to know who uh, Ice T was, or uh, was it Ice T? I can't remember anymore. I, there was Ice Cube uh, and a couple of other people. Uh, it's been so long ago. But even I, I wasn't listening to the rap stations. I wasn't going out and buying the albums and I knew who they were. I'd never heard of Megan Thee Stallion. And she's one of the biggest rappers on the planet. I don't know, man. I think something's afoot with that kind of crap. But be that as it may, she's earned four Grammy nominations last month and teamed with Cardi B earlier this year for WAP, one of the most dominant number one songs of the past 30 years. And I still haven't heard it. Megan is the latest in a long line of rappers making inroads into the crypto space. Lil Yachty has spent the last month promoting several crypto-related ventures. Yeah, that's scam, 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 scam. 
he was busted earlier this year for promoting an allegedly fraudulent ICO. Well, who would have guessed? 50 Cent was at one point a Bitcoin millionaire and artists like Soulja Boy, Eminem, Lil B, and TJ x6 whatever have actually talked about bitcoin in their music no really they really have talked about it in their music bitcoin is hot girl shit too i guess the music industry is dead to me it's just dead to me they screwed that thing so up so bad just an aside the music industry became this way after napster in case you want to know when the music industry actually went downhill, it was right after Napster. It was right when Mars, uh, oh God, sorry, Lars, I can't remember his last name, uh, the drummer from uh, Metallica donned a suit and sat his happy ass down to kiss and lick every nether region of every Congress member that he could. At, like he sat down into hearing complaining about Napster and why it should be shut down. And the fact that it was centralized was why Napster was able, able to be shut down. And here we are all again. I'm just saying music industry never recovered from that shit. Um, whatever. Anyway, so basic math lesson here. Coming up from William Suberg of Cointelegraph says Bitcoin price must hit $1 million per coin for one Satoshi to reach parity with one penny. Uh, at 0.02 cents, the humble Satoshi still has a long way to go to hit parity with the cent, let alone an entire dollar. Bitcoin may be circling all-time highs, but a new storm is brewing around its smallest subunit, the Satoshi or SAT. As more first-time investors pile into BTC, attention is once again highlighting the fact that many still think Bitcoin cannot be divided and is, quote, too expensive. A frequent point of debate throughout Bitcoin's recent history, the problem of how to solve this misconception and introduce sats to a wider audience is now back in the spotlight. This week, st statistician Willie Wu publicly approached listing site CoinGecko with an appeal to make the tiny Satoshi more visible. Quote, Put up a smaller unit as the default on BTC on your site and see if it catches on. Let's start a trend, he offered. Wu was responding to an experience from Magic Internet Money podcast host Brad Mills, who had been told by a prospective buyer that they could not afford an entire Bitcoin. Satoshis are the smallest original subunit of Bitcoin, which is divisible by up to eight decimal places. Uh, at current prices, this makes a single Satoshi worth around 0.02 cents, $1 is worth 43 sats. <clears throat> a dedicated resource now shows how much BTC must gain in order for it for the one unit or the one sat unit to equal one penny. For this to happen, Bitcoin would need to challenge the United States M2 money supply cap, Wu said. Bitcoin would need to hit $1 million per coin. Against that backdrop, $23,000 Bitcoin price seems modest. <laughs> And nonetheless, some currencies have already fallen to Satoshi parity of their own accord. In July, the Argentinian peso joined the Lebanese lira in seeing one sat equal their smallest unit of account. He further noted that beyond sats or so-called mini sats, which do exist on the Lightning Network, could be used. Should the need arise, Lightning remains the most widely accepted best bet for Bitcoin scaling, and advances in its user experience will allow entry-level Bitcoiners coiners to send tiny payments for next to no fees in the future. This is achieved by performing transactions off-chain and syncing them later on, avoiding, avoiding the need for minor fees and congesting the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, so 
Millisats, in case you didn't know, uh, we've it's it's rarely ever talked about. But the, I, and I think it's rarely talked about because it's hard enough to get normies to understand that they don't need to buy a whole Bitcoin. And we've gone through you you we the meme you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin isn't even used anymore because we finally got at least three major companies to denominate everything in Satoshi's. You know, Cash App does it, Fold does it, uh, a couple of other people, you know, people do it. And now we always talk about Satoshi's. So, and, and even then they, the normies still don't get it. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and he was like, oh man, that's pretty high price. And I'm like, yeah, well, there's a hundred million divisions inside of each one. Do the math. You know, and I also said, hey, there's 7.8 billion people on the planet. There's 21 million, you know, total Bitcoin. Do the math. I was like, there's, you know, maybe upwards about $32 trillion worth of pension fund value. Do the math. I don't have any, I don't even know what insurance companies are, what their complete holding asset holdings are when you, when you look at it as an industry. I don't have to. All I have to do is do the math. There's a shit ton of it divided by 21 million. Do the fucking math. And then you can take 21 million and, and multiply that by 100 million, do the math. And now we're talking about millisatoshis. That would be 0.001 of a satoshi, would be a millisatoshi if I'm doing my math right. So now we can multiply 21 million by 100 million by another thousand. So add basically another three zeros, you know, to the end. And that's how many units we have. Now, getting depending on how much precision we can muster in the network, in the you know lightning or a third layer, well, IEEE a double float point compliancy gives you quite a bit of decimal places that you can be assured will add up to the number that you expect, with no no real rounding errors for quite a while. So I I suspect that we could probably do another eighteen decimal places on top of what we can already divide Bitcoin by now. There's no reason in the world to think that that's not going to happen, guys. Again, do the math. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. Who says? My friend said, quote, my kid refuses to eat fish. What do you think is a good replacement? I told him cats. Cats love fish. <laughs> Nothing like a good dad joke to end the week off with. Now, announcement. Um, this is the last live show that I'm going to be doing until I get back from Christmas break. All right. So just be aware. Um, I will probably be back sometime, I don't know, definitely the first week of uh, of the new year. I think I got to get my kids back in school sometime, you know, in the, like, I don't know, like the seventh or some shit like that. So that's when I'll start recording again. Uh, but because I actually have evergreen content now in the way of, of uh, interviews, I'm going to be reposting those so that they automatically drop um, until those are all gone. So I may not be doing one every, you know, every day, uh, depending on how many that I have, but I will be dropping the interviews uh, by themselves as separate uh, downloads that you could do on whatever podcast app that you got. Again, if you want to support the show, do it through Sphinx app. 
go to sphinx dot ch- or uh, sphinx dot chat uh rent a node if they have any because they they go like hotcakes or if you want to figure out how to connect your own lightning node to it you can do that too it's a bit of a bitch but it can be done um and then join my tribe and uh, it's the bitcoin and uh, you can find the tribes on tribes.sphinx.chat join the tribe and then you can listen to the uh to the episodes there and stream me some satoshis i recommend three satoshis per minute because one of these days one of those sons of bitches may actually be worth a dollar and i don't want you spending three dollars you know three dollars a minute is going to be that's going to be a kind of a high price. So I don't want somebody doing things like spinning it up at a hundred Satoshis per minute right now. Cause I have no intention of, of scraping that off that, that lightning node uh, anytime soon. I, or at least, you know, cashing out in any way, shape or form. I, I, I use what you guys give me to give to other podcasters as I listen to their podcasts um, so that we can at least start a semblance of a circular economy with Bitcoin With all that said, I hope you have a Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year, and, well, I guess I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.